it going, everybody? Welcome to TLDR Podcast, episode 15? Five. One five. What a week we've had. What a day we've had. What a night we've had. We've had, we had a fantastic, well, for some, a fantastic football game. It turned out to be a little bit of a, um, of a shit show, I guess we could say. The Stanley Cup has been awarded. Congratulations to the um, Tampa Bay Lightning, but we'll get into that. And the MLB is about to start their playoffs tomorrow. Yeah. And the finals for the NBA, I think, are starting. Are they started yet? Wednesday. Wednesday. There we go. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, Tyler, I was going to ask you earlier that. I know that I know that your Dodgers start on Wednesday, and I, and I, if there was a game seven in the NHL, I was going to ask you which game are you going to be watching. That's a stupid question, Trey. And of course, I'm watching my Dodgers. Of course, the NHL. That, <laughs> see, that is not a stupid question. Now it's a stupid answer. <laughs> no, uh, James. James, uh, give me, quickly give me a rundown of, of how you felt about Monday Night Football. Very disappointed. Like, I really thought it was going to be a high-scoring affair, like, back and forth, back and forth. But Lamar Jackson was just – he wasn't on it tonight. He missed a lot of throws. Like, would have made this game competitive. Patrick Mahomes showed once again why he is the best quarterback in the league, and it's not even close. Very disappointed. I had a lot of money riding on this. I put up, I think, $73 on DraftKings, and I lost all of it. So that's really fun. But, you know, you live and you learn. Here's the next week. Well, we'll – We'll we'll jump back into football, but for now, hey Eric, why don't you take us away about um, you know Tampa Bay just Stanley Cup? Take us away, man. Yeah, uh, well the Stanley Cup is over. Fuck, what the fuck, dude? We needed a game seven. It's it's always sad to see it go like this. Um, it seemed like just the other day it started in August. Uh, it's fucking about to be October. But that was a fast fucking playoffs. Um, Let's just go through the games here. Game one, the Stars came out a-blazing. They won 4-1, as Trading would say, utter domination. (laughs) Um, They were all over the puck. They seemed to be more rested. Uh, Tampa had to go a couple extra games in their series. Um, But then we see game two, Tampa had their foot on the gas. They end up winning that in a close one, 3-2, but they were up 3-1 most of the game. Stars uh, scored in the third period, and I thought actually we were going to see a comeback, but we didn't. Um, game three, Tampa just beat fuck all out of the Stars. They were up 4 nothing in the first, I believe, and they end up winning that one 5-2, just one of those games that you erase out of your mind, throw it away. Game four. A little controversial call in overtime. I believe double overtime. Uh, We'll get into it. But the Stars kind of got fucked that game. Uh, They lost in overtime. And after that, they were down 3-1 in the series. Game five uh, was another battle. Tampa was up most of the time. Seemed to be dominating. Like they were going to pull this off, of course. Scory Perry comes through, gets the overtime goal after he was skating around screaming in Hedman's face like a dog on the ice. Uh, And tonight, game six, unfortunately, the series has ended. Tampa completely dominated this game. They went 2 nothing. They had the puck the whole fucking game. It was one of those games, like, if you're not a Tampa fan or you're not a fan of either team, you want to see good fucking, you know, the seal, the deal was sealed by Tampa. Complete domination, boring to watch. Fucking, we needed a game seven. Trade in, your head's bouncing all over the place. Uh, which game to you stuck out the most of this series? That's a good question. Um, well, the controversial game, which would have been, would have been game three, um, that one was – was that game three? No, game four, excuse me. Um, that one was fairly controversial only because Ben – Jamie Ben, that's not a penalty. You should not be in the box for that. I will say this, if it wasn't for a controversial call in the third period, the Dallas Stars wouldn't have tied the game. So it was kind of like a makeup call, but I'm sorry, I don't care if it's a makeup call or not. You can't make that call in, in, in the Stanley Cup final. Um, but I, it, it, the, the game five was pretty exciting. The double OT was extremely exciting. But then I, you know, I really look at game six and I could tell by the minute the puck dropped, then the first five minutes, it's going to be over. I mean, Tampa was swallowing up the middle of the ice. Dallas could not pass to save their lives. 
they it, it was really frustrating to watch as someone who wanted to see a game seven, but it also, as a hockey fan, I appreciated every I, at that, you know, if I didn't already appreciate it, I, at that moment, I knew Tampa Bay is, is like where every team needs to be. If they want to, if they want to become Stanley cup champions, they have the grit, they have the talent, they have the detention have the ability to close out a series when it mean when it matters the most. And, and they did. Yeah, tonight the stars kind of look like how the Kings have the last two years. Just like can't make a fucking pass, not using the boards, not even getting shots on fucking power plays when it matters in the third period. Uh, but, you know, the stars, they've kind of proved a lot of people wrong. A lot of people didn't even see him get near. James, you've covered them like our whole time covering these playoffs. Uh, what are the positives you got out of the stars in their run? That came up short. I think the emergence of talent from Miro Heiskanen. I mean, that guy, he's young. And he's hes going to be playing for the Stars. Not, he should be playing for the Stars for a long time. And he's going to be a staple of that defense. But it's just the fact that a team that wasn't expected to go anywhere, really, made a run all of the Stanley Cup. And I think that goes to show how anything can happen in the NHL. It's not rigged like basketball. Anything, it's way better if the puck bounces your direction, you're going to win, you're going to move on. And that's really cool to see. It's it's not always about skill. Sometimes it's about luck. But that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. I would say uh, Heskinen definitely stepped up. A lot of their, like, depth guys. Well, now they, we, we would call them depth guys now because they pulled through in the playoffs for them when it mattered most. And it kind of reminds me of football a little bit. Like, you need a little bit of luck in the playoffs. Like, yeah, you can be a dominant team. But just, like, football, hockey, you need some of that puck luck. You need – a little bit of luck. You need a little, uh, you know, garbage goal scored in overtime like Perry got in that game five. Um, some players on the lightning that stuck out. Uh, Hedman, of course, wins. The Con Smythe. Tyler, we're talking about all these names of the trophies. Do you know what the Con Smythe trophy is? That one I do know, yeah. <laughs> what is it? It's the MVP of the playoffs. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, good job, Tyler. Uh, Hedman won the Con on Smythe, I think he deserved that. There's be either him or points, yeah. actually, or even Vasilevsky, the goalie. Um, who did you think was going to get the Con Smythe? And if it was Hedman, then what's your reasoning behind it? Yeah, uh, I honestly thought it was a toss-up between Hedman and Point. Um, I do think Hedman did deserve it. I just think he played. I think he contributed to the overall success of this team for the playoffs just more consistently. I think Point did, I think, through maybe the first two rounds. you think Point was going to run, run, run away with it. But, I mean, Hedman had an amazing final. And, honestly, every single series was just so good. Ten um, goals scored, which I think is the record for a defenseman or close to it. Traden, you can back check me on that one. Um, but I think it was a very well-deserved uh, Conn Smythe trophy for Victor Hedman. Yeah, he was big wheeling all over the ice. Uh, did you see him when he shook Batman's hand, dude? I didn't realize he's how much of a fucking monster he is, dude. He's like almost set foot, like fucking huge. He's a big boy. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him and Chara go toe-to-toe, go -to -toe, but who knows if we'll ever see that, uh, if Chara's even in this league anymore. Um, notable players on the Stars, Jamie Benn. He played well. He did most of the little things right. Uh I think he could have done better, but uh, Klingberg was their, you know, their headman, their top D-man. Similar uh, description, I would say, about Ben. Like, he did well. He, he's done a lot better in all this other series. He didn't do as well as he should. Perry kind of stuck out this series. Literally kept him alive after that game five, um, just ratting around like he does. I think if the Stars were to push it to a game seven, Everything's up for grabs, of course, and if they were to win it, I would give Hugh Dobin the Conn Smythe. He's the guy that almost carried them all the way through, but he didn't. Um, but did you see also when uh, when they did win the Cup, they all were around Batman, and then and he said, I got them before we hand up, like I got this, whatever. He gives a little speech, and then all of a sudden, um, Steven Stamkos just pops up behind him, fully uniformed and everything, and then he just grabs the Cup and just starts skating around, kissing it. That was pretty uh, – Pretty good moment. What would you think? What would you say about that, Traden? I thought that moment was fantastic. Um, I, I I want to take this moment for that moment. Be, um, I want to take this moment to say 
I appreciated the fact that that the Tampa Bay took a picture with with Gary Bettman. Um, I, I know that many many hockey fans are, and and I guess generally sports fans in general tend to dislike the general managers of their respective favorite sports. I'm not one of them. Um, I give a hundred percent kudos to um, to Gary Bettman. He was integral into getting us the bubble and to getting us the Stanley cup to be, to be awarded at all. And I thought that that was really that, that, that Tampa kind of, it seemed like they almost gave him a little bit of a, a thank you by involving him in that ceremony and that picture. And I thought that that was really special. And then to bring up Stamkos like that, I thought was really, really amazing. Um, that guy battles through, has battled through so many injuries in his career. He's been with the Tampa Bay lightning since his, you know, since he was drafted 12 years, 12 years ago, um, he's been, he's been captain with them for seven years now. And he's been a captain of a team that is consistently good and has been consistently good for so long. And, and I'm pretty, and I know that it, it, it ate him up that he couldn't be involved in the actual gameplay as much as he wish he could have. Um, but, you know, it, it was pretty special that he was, that he got to be involved with the, with the ceremony for sure. As the uh, Canadians would say, it's what it's all about trading. Um, what, and I don't know if we even mentioned on the last episode, was it game uh, four that he actually did and, like, his first shift, first shot, fucking scores. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, unfortunately, he either re-aggravated whatever's going on or got a different injury. But, you know, at least he, <laughs> he literally went in, played a shift, contri- contributed to that win. And I bet their whole team was super pumped about it. Um, but yeah, man, it's sad. Like you said, too, about Batman, um, like, without him, you know, they were on the brink of just, like, saying, fuck it, where the season's over, we're not going to do it. And, you know, he, Batman kind of pushed through it, got everything to work, 100% virus-free in the bubble. And they fucking now have the Stanley Cup. They could go show it. They can go back home, show it to their family. They're going to be in Florida. They're probably going to be running rampant all over the bars, all over the fucking place with that. Florida doesn't give a shit about the virus, I don't think, um, <laughs> as we've seen with the Miami Marlins, et cetera. But um, those are my thoughts on this Stanley Cup final. I have to ask you guys. Um, this question has been asked, you know, from pundits and a bunch of other news media. And I want to ask you guys, and I'm going to start with James. Do you think that this Stanley cup will forever be the hardest Stanley cup to have ever been won? Yes. Uh, Reason being, there's a lot of different circumstances that every team had to go through to get to where they are. Um, And on top of that, it was almost equal footing all the way around just because they're all in the same place. There wasn't much travel going on. Everybody had the same, and the, except for that one time where they traveled from like um, Calgary sure. to, or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, they all pretty much were in the same spot at the same time. So there was no travel. Everybody got the same amount of rest. There was no home ice advantage whatsoever. It was everybody. It was just, who was the better team? Right. And that was that. So I think that's why it's a hard to win. Hey, what about you? Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think, you know, the competition, of the Stanley cup playoffs, you know, was there, but I think what was a lot different this year, of course, is, I mean, no fans. So you do, you have to bring your own energy to the game, which I think without fans is a lot different and it's a lot more difficult, especially for guys that have been around for so long. I mean, if anyone has been a part of a, or has gone to a Stanley cup playoff game, it's one of the most electric atmospheres you'll be a part of. And I know that the players feed off of that. So I think that's one way that it was more difficult. And um, also being away from their family and having to be, you know, in this isolated bubble away from everybody else for such a long time. I mean, I think emotionally and mentally that that takes a toll as well. I think that's something I think people kind of take for granted, don't really think about too much. Um, So, yeah, I think there's a lot of other components to it that were so unique and so unprecedented that I would agree. It probably was one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult Stanley Cup to win. Yeah, Eric? Yeah, I, I agree with everything said. There's no point of me repeating 
what James and Tyler just said, but exactly what they just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I would definitely agree. I think the fact that you're not you're sleeping in your own bed and you're out here, everyone's on the same playing field is definitely, definitely makes it the hardest one. And, and again, so I'm going to pretty much end my talk about the playoffs this year um, by saying, I really want to thank the NHL for everything that they did to bring us the bubble. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, the, the, the hockey and go, going back to Tyler's point, bringing your own energy. I forgot there wasn't fans five minutes into the first game, first Oilers game. I forgot that there weren't fans because the, the hockey was fantastic. Um, I, I thought the finals could have been, uh, were going to be a little bit more lackluster than they were last year. I didn't think think that I made last game, but that wasn't really an issue of the fans. It was just one team decided not to show up. Um, you look at the other games, but two went to overtime and they were high octane, um, exciting games. And, and I just appreciate the players for everything they, they, you know, they brought to the table and, and going into a bubble, being away from their families for so long. And um, even though it didn't end up the way I would have liked to see it, I would have liked to see the Oilers go a bit further. I do appreciate the fact that the best teams in, in each conference did truly deserve to be there. And the one who won definitely deserved to be there. And, uh, and, and, that, and I'm going to end it on that. I will end this NHL segment with a little random kind of funny story that my friend told me recently. Uh, one day he was out in, this was like a few years ago, he was out in um, Huntington Beach at that, the bar called the Bungalow. It's just uh, like a big type of bar. But uh, as he's leaving, uh, he sees like a group of like dudes and there's fucking two guys like rolling around wrestling in the dirt in their white shirts, super nice clothes. And he kind of like gets a little glimpse. He's walking out. It was fucking Perry on the ground, dude, wrestling <laughs> his buddy. I think it was like maybe one of the black aces of the Ducks like one of their rookies, but he just sees Perry like rolling around in his white shirt in the dirt, just fucking dicking around. I thought that was kind of a funny story of just all people. It's fucking Corey Perry always involved in, in just doing ratty type of maneuvers, fucking wrestling in his white shirt. But um, yeah, I wouldn't expect anything less of that guy. But yeah, that's kind of what I got on the NHL Stanley Cup finals this week. Right. Well, Eric, thank you for taking us and finishing up the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, we do have a lot more hockey to talk about. There's going to be trade deadline, trade, the start of trade, excuse me. Um, free agency is going to start to come up. So I'm, I'll be talking a little bit about that when it comes, uh, when it comes up. But for now, that's the wrap on hockey. Um, when we come back, we're going to go over to Tyler. Tyler. MLB playoffs are starting tomorrow, baby. Let's go! Let's go. All right, we'll be back. And welcome back. Tyler is going to take us through the MLB playoffs that are starting tomorrow. I'm pr pretty excited. I think I can now turn my attention more to baseball, and I will, I promise. Tyler, take us away. Boys, we made it. As the days get shorter and the nights get colder, baseball is heating up, and we enter a new era of the playoffs. After a COVID-riddled 60-game regular season sprint, 16 teams have entered the 2020 tournament in quest for a World Series title. We have heavyweight favorites. The 43 years of combined playoff drought snapped. For the first time in baseball history, we have a 16-team tournament with a best-of-three first round where no team is safe from the wildness of October baseball. Welcome to the 2020 MLB postseason. I'm excited, boys. Let's do this shit. What an Can we just, like, give them that sounded like a commercial. There you go. It is I wanted to take you to write that. Hire me, MLB. Hey, hire, hire me for, for what? Commercials. <laughs> Sound like a Game of Thrones edition, like commercial or something. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned um, the winter. Yeah. Dun -na, dun -na. Um, real quick, before we get into the matchups, I want to say uh, last week we, we talked about who's going to win the home run race. Most of us, other than uh, Eric, picked Luke Voigt to win, which he did. Finished the season with 22 home runs. Um, 
So that's that. And then also I, I want to give myself a little pat on the back that uh, early before the season started, I picked my division winners for the season. I got five of six correct. So I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back on that one. The only one I missed was the AL East. The Rays took that one over the Yankees. Other well, than that, yeah, nothing else. Didn't the, didn't the Mariners make the playoffs, though? So you should get, like, negative five for that one. You mean the Marlins? Yep, there we go. The Marlins. Ah, negative, Marlins. negative 10. <laughs> they're only in completely different areas of the country. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know, they're both of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so how we're gonna break this down we're gonna break down each series each team um we're starting the american league i asked the guys that i assigned them teams and they're gonna tell me why they think that team will win that series um and then i'm gonna tell i'm gonna give you my, my thought on each one so starting off in the american league the eight seed toronto blue jays are taking on the number one seed in the american league the al East champion Tampa Bay Rays. James, you got the Blue Jays. Tell me who you who, tell me why you think the Blue Jays will win the series. To be honest, I don't think they're gonna win the series, but they might. Because Vladdy Jr. has been on fire recently, man. He has had a hit or multiple hits for the last six or out of seven games. Right now, the Blue Jays have a lot of some going in the postseason on six, seven games, aka whenever Vladdy Guerrero Jr. hits the ball well, they're winning. So if he continues this, they might have a shot at beating the Rays, even but they probably won't. So. Eric, why are the Rays going to win this series? Why are the Rays going to win? Yeah. Uh, because they've shown – first off, they're going to win in two games. And they've shown very few weaknesses this season. They've built momentum of recent. And uh, just to hype it up to this point, their strong pitching is going to get the job done. The deep stable of arms, Snell, Glass now, the tallest pitcher in the league, uh, Morton, the most curveball strikeouts in the league, and Yarbrough, just that dude has a cool name, uh, <laughs> and they will win in two games. Yeah, I agree with you, Eric. Uh, starting pitching and pitching in general is this is his team's strengths, headlined by that three-headed monster, Charlie Morton, Glass now, and Snell, uh, three of the best aces on one team. Uh, they led the, the American League in strikeouts this year. Um, that's a tough pitching staff to go up against. Um, the offense for this race team isn't really flashy, but they're clutch, and, and, and they get the right hits at the right time. Um, so I think they'll get the job done. As far as the Blue Jays go, if they're going to win this series, they're going to have to rely heavily on their two, two uh, main starters in Hyunjin Ryu and Taiwan Walker and a young, unproven bullpen. They, have to, they really have to step up to beat these guys. Um, the offense has a lot of potential star power. Vlad Guerrero Jr., as James mentioned, Bo Bichette, among others. But they've been really in, in, inconsistent all year, so I don't really trust them to, you know, win this series. Um, so I'm picking the Rays to win this one. Moving on to the number seven seed, Chicago White Sox are taking on the number two seed, Oakland Athletics. So the White Sox are going to Traden. Traden, tell us why the White Sox win this series. Well, it's tough. I mean, they fell from being one of the best in the AL to, to the number seven. Um, they're just going to be solid and hungry. I mean, they have been bombing against lefties this year. Uh, they have 14-0 against left-handed starters. There's some lefties on that, on that pitching squad on the A's. I mean, assuming that that's going to just continue, that, that can maybe give them a, a, a leg up. But, again, I don't know if I really take that stat into consideration. But it is notable. Um, the relief core is fifth best in the AL and seventh in the majors. Yes, it's behind the best relief core in baseball, which is the A's. I understand that, but I'm, I'm not so much giving them an edge as saying at least they have some reliability on the mound there. That's what I guess what I mean is that as long as you can stay in games, at least you're, you're, you're staying, you know, you, you have a reliable uh, bullpen to help you out. Um, they do have some two elite starting pitchers in, uh, Lucas, um, Giolito and uh, Dallas Keuchel ranks as the two best pitchers in baseball, even though the A's have slightly better team ERA than the White Sox. They don't have the arms. Um, I, I don't know if they have the arms to match or to punch. So White Sox, put my eggs in your basket. Here we go. James, why are the A's winning the series? They're a really good baseball team. They absolutely dominated the AL West, and it wasn't even close. They're tied for the fourth best record of baseball. I mean, that says a lot about them. They have an all-around great lineup. 
every single person on that team can hit right now. And remember, we were kind of worried about Matt Chapman and being hurt and what kind of hole that would leave. Jake Lamb has done a great job of filling in right now. He was traded from Arizona to, you know, help out. And he's actually had a hit in all but three games with the A's so far. He's actually put up better numbers than Matt Chapman did towards the end before he got injured. So, I mean, that along with their pitching, who is, as Fred mentioned, is really, really good. They have a really good shot to make it pretty far here. For sure. This is one of the most interesting series, I think, in the, in the first round. I think the Chicago White Sox were playing some of the best baseball in the league uh, up until that last week or so, or they kind of just faltered off a little bit. It's a young, exciting pick. I think a lot of people are picking the White Sox to win this series because of that. Um, I'm going to go with the A's, though, in, in this one uh, because of that bullpen, the best bullpen in, in, in baseball. And uh, I think their pitching has been a little inconsistent. They do have the American League Pitcher of the Month and Chris Bassett kind of leading that rotation, along with Jesus Lazardo and Sean Manaya. These guys are young. They're talented. I think their pitching is just going to overwhelm this White Sox offense because this, the White Sox offense, even though it can be electric, they have a ton of guys that can swing the bat very well. They are susceptible to strikeouts, and they're, and they're playing a team that's really good at striking out batters. And over a short series like that, I think the A's are going to take advantage of those, um, of those aggressive bats of the White Sox, and they're going to win this series. Moving on to the number six seeded Houston Astros barf against the AL Central champion Minnesota Twins. Um, this one, the Twins, goes Me. to Eric. Take it away. Uh, twins and two. Uh, Houston, fuck them. They got in because the Angels shit the bed in these last their last series. Um, Maeda versus Granky, game one. Granky, his last seven starts, 5.73 ERA. In other words, dog shit. And then the game two is 23 hours later. Uh, the next day, quick turnaround. Fuck the Astros. They're going to lose. Trade in your rebuttal for the Astros. <laughs> First of all, like you're setting myself up. You're setting my, me up to get like ridiculed. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this. They probably feel like they have something to prove, like, oh, maybe win this meeting. That kind of gives you some motivation. Um, I, I, oh, I found something interesting. This is not really going to help them, but they are one of the only – one of the first two teams to ever qualify for playoffs with a losing record. So let's give a clap for that, um, for being sucky. Um <laughs> <laughs> they have talent and experience. Like, I don't even – like, how do I say this? I mean, it's, they're going to lose. Cheaters, cheaters. <laughs> I really I'm hope sorry, they I'm do. sorry. I, I tried to research. How was I going to research? They're cheaters. I mean, come on. Yeah. I don't think anyone thinks the Astros are going to win or even wants the Astros to win either, except for maybe the Astros fans, of course. Um, but, yeah, I got the, the, the Twins taking this one. Um, this offense, this Twins offense, absolutely rakes. They've been raking – uh, they've been playing very good leading up to this postseason. Um, they do struggle a little bit against lefties, but thankfully they're facing Zach Granke, who is a righty in game one. So I think they'll get off to a very hot start and they'll be just fine. Um, the, yeah, this Astros team, they, you know, on offense, they got guys, Altuve, Bregman, Springer, all those guys, you know, have struggled all season long. But if, you know, they can get hot at the right time, you never know what can happen. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Uh, the Astros starting pitching is decent. Their bullpen is young and unproven. Uh, the Twins will take this series. All right, moving on to the final series in the American League. We got the New York Yankees against the number four seed Cleveland Indians. So, James, why are the Yankees going to win this series? Two words, Tyler, and that's it. TLDR bump. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that certainly plays a factor in it, but the Yankees have a really good offense if Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge can get on track. Those guys are going to hit straight up bombs, and it's going to take the Indians by storm, except for the fact that, you know, the Yankees are playing against one of the best, the gnarliest starting pitching staffs in the league. Um, DJ LeMahieu, though, he's helped. I think he would have been a really good candidate for the ALVP if he didn't miss any time at the beginning of the season. I think he had the highest batting average with uh, 364. I believe it was. I got an update on my watch 
whenever that came out. But he that offense, if it starts hitting, if the uh, young Colasan and Aaron Judge can hit it out the park, it's gonna they're gonna be pretty hard to beat for sure. Uh, Eric, why do the Indians take this series from the Yankees? Um, are we really gonna waste our TLDR, TLDR bumps on the fucking Yankees? That was, you know, that, that was that was definitely a Tyler thing a long time ago. Glenn Tyler. <laughs> Tyler, why are you wasting the TLDR bumps on the fucking Yankees? I never uh, waste a bump. It, that could have gone to the Angels this last weekend. But um, <laughs> I think Indians will pull it off in three games. Uh, Bieber will be lights out. He's got the 1.63 ERA. And uh, Plezak, is that the guy that we were talking about that broke? and all that. He's going to make up for it by playing well, and they will win in three games. Yeah, this, this is also a really, really close, even series. In my mind, I think this is going to – this is, the I think, for me, the biggest toss-up in the American League. Uh, the Indians are playing really good baseball heading into the postseason. Um, their offense lacks depth after Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, so that's got my kind of concern for the Indians. Um, but their starting pitching, like James mentioned, is nasty. Headlined by Shane Bieber, the first AL pitcher to win the Triple Crown in pitching since 2006. Um, one of the best pitching Justin matchups. Justin Bieber's we'll brother. See. Yeah. <laughs> one of the best pitching matchups we'll see in the first round Shane Bieber versus Garrett Cole, the Yankees. I'm really excited for this game one matchup. Uh, the Yankees' bats are, are hot entering this, uh, entering this uh, series, despite not getting a whole lot of production out of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, Garrett Cole as good. He's kind of been good, but not great. Um, he's definitely susceptible to giving up the uh, home run. So if he can keep it in the ballpark, I think the, the, the Yankees got a shot. But I'm going to take the Indians in a squeaker in this series over the Yankees. All right. So that's the American League, guys. Now moving on to the National League. Our first series is headlined by the number eight seed, Milwaukee Brewers, taking on my boys in blue, the number one seed, best record in baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The worst luck. Traden, I gave you shit luck with these picks. Um, so I want you to tell me why you think the Brewers will win this series, but be careful. All, our friendship is on the line right now. Yeah. Um, first of all, you did make up for it because my last, the last pick that we're going to talk about, my boys. We'll talk about go. that. Um, <laughs> the Brewers are – I guess I guess you could say that 2018 season that when they played the uh, the Dodgers in the NLCS and they lost in seven games. Remember those series? I mean, I know that's kind of a cliche, but I guess they'll be playing for the motivation, um, and they have a chip on their shoulder. Um, personally, I love to see my best friends cry. So Tyler, uh, <laughs> off the Dodgers. Wow, that was really mean. Um, James, why do you think the Dodgers will win this series? I really didn't like how he gave the Dodgers and asked me to defend them. Not a fan of that. Yeah. But objectively speaking here, they're the best and most complete team that the MLB has to offer. There's really not much. I don't have to do much to defend them. They're the Dodgers. As long as they don't choke like they usually do, they'll win it all this year. So they're the Tampa Bay of the MLB is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. That's pretty much been the Dodgers' MO the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Uh, is that dude Yellick, Yelich? Isn't he from T.O., Tyler? He is from Thousand Oaks, yeah. So that means you have to root for the Brewers, too. Mm, I don't think so. That's not how that works. Uh, because he, he went. Was awesome. Yeah, because yeah, uh, <laughs> Christian Yelich did go to Thousand Oaks, but he went to my rival high school, so oh. I, can root, I, I can root against him. Um, so the Brewers, uh, Brandon Woodruff, a, a proven ace, um, for the, for the Brewers, uh, he's super good. Um, but after that, I think that their starting pitching lacks depth. Their bullpen is very good. Uh, of course, everyone knows Josh Hader, but how about the national league re reliever of the month? Devin Williams posted a zero ERA this month. Um, so he is another guy to look at, um, and then the offense overall has struggled. You know, uh, for me, the X factor for the Brewers is Christian Yelich. He's not had a good season, but he is the, but he is, uh, the MVP. Um, so this is a guy that can bring it at, at, at any point. So for me, Christian Yelich is the X factor for the Brewers, but the Dodgers World Series are bust yet again. I think the, one of the biggest differences this season is two things. Number one, 
I think that this is the best bullpen that Dodgers have had going into a postseason. I don't think there's a single guy coming out of that bullpen that I don't not trust. Like, I think they're all really Kershaw. good. Um, hopefully they won't have to use Kershaw out of the bullpen because they got a bunch of lefties coming out of the bullpen that, are, that have been solid all season long. And number two, we got this guy named Mookie Betts. Um, this guy's the real deal. I think he'll get some MVP votes this season for his performance. Um, I think he adds so much depth to that lineup. Corey Seager's been um, uh, amazing this season. Bellinger and Muncie have struggled, but, you know, who has stepped up? Uh, A.J. Pollock, Chris Taylor. Uh, as long as their starting pitching is solid, Kershaw, Bueller, Dustin May, all those guys, I see no reason why the Dodgers can't win this series. All right. Remember, the, Giant, the Giants had to lose for the Brewers to get in. The Giants, who we didn't even expect to even come close. That's true. You, you so, don't even win two, I embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about this first round it is a little scary. It's a best of three, so you gotta, you gotta, you can't get off to a slow start in the series, or it's going home. So I don't think they will, but it is a little nerve wracking, I think, for a lot of those higher seeder teams because it, it gives them a chance to win the to to win a series pretty quickly. Uh, what are you gonna I, do if they lose in the first round, Ty? You know, I'll just crawl are you gonna run up your bed, mile? and I'll just wake up when a uh, spring training comes around again. I know how that feels. We can we can weep together. Are right. you gonna see like a Oilers Blackhawks baseball style? Right, right. No, right easy there, Eric. <laughs> the Oilers are not the Do- are not the Dodgers. Okay, yeah, like the, true. they're not even close to that good. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. All right, moving on to the next uh, series. Here we got the number seven seed Cincinnati Reds taking on the number two, the NL East champion Atlanta Braves. All right, uh, who's got this one, Eric? Why are the Braves winning this series? Uh, Acuna, Freeman, Ozuna, Duvall, straight sluggers. A.K.A. points, A.K.A. scoring, A.K.A. Braves in five games. You mean three? (laughs) Three out of five games. (laughs) Oh, man. Three out of five, yes. James. Because they score and hit the ball a lot with those guys, sluggers. All right, James. Dude, why, why he is... just literally wrote off the lineup and just said random words, and then expected us to go. <laughs> I guess so. What hot take there, James? Why why is the big red machine going to take this series? They have a really good starting pitching staff, man. Headlined by Trevor Bauer. <laughs> you asked him to do like look up something about Trevor Bauer midway through the season about having under a one ERA. Little did you know, he gave three runs and then his ERA ballooned to a huge one point seven three. <laughs> like his ERA right now is really amazing. Next up is Luis Castillo with a 3.21 and Sony Gray with a 3.7. These pitches last a long time. We'll go deep into games, which will, you know, help out the team and the bullpen later on when they go into later rounds. Um, I actually have a really good feeling about the Reds this year. I think they're going to go pretty far. I think they're going to see the Dodgers in the NL finals here and hopefully, you know, have a good series there. But, uh, they're my picks to go all the way. That's that's what I'm feeling right now. Go Reds. All right. Uh, as far as the Braves go, I mean, their lineup stacked. I think Freddie Freeman kind of overtook Fernando Tatis for the favorite to win the NL MVP there in the last few weeks. This guy is hitting super well. They have the second best ranked offense in baseball behind the Dodgers. Uh, bullpen is great. Starting pitching is going to be their key here. Um, they've had a lot of injuries. They're starting pitching. Uh, Mike Soroka, Cole Hamels out for the season. Mike Freed, their best pitcher this season, is coming back from an injury. Uh, rookie Ian Anderson has looked pretty solid, but he is a rookie, so we'll see if he can step it up in the postseason. Um, as far as the Reds go, as James mentioned, scary rotation. Bauer, Castillo, Sonny Gray. This is a scary one-two-three punch. Can take on any team in baseball. Um, the offense has shown to be inconsistent and home run happy. Uh, they, their two twelve team ERA is the lowest in postseason history. Um, so it's pretty much home run or, or nothing with this team. But if these, if these Reds bats are hot and they pitch well, this is a scary team to face. And that's why I'm picking the Reds to pull off the upset in this one. Reds over the Braves. I think this is the most intriguing matchup in the first round in baseball. All right, moving on to the next series. We got the number six Miami fucking Marlins. Holy shit. They snapped a 17-year postseason drought. 
surprise everyone by taking the sixth seed here. And they're going to take on the number three seed, Chicago Cubs. Um, Eric, the Marlins surprised everybody. Why are they going to surprise people again and beat the Chicago Cubs? Uh, because they are the second team in history to make the playoffs after losing 100 games the season before. And they've only been in the playoffs twice. Guess what happened both times they were in the World Series? I mean, in the playoffs, <laughs> they won the World Series, unlike the Dodgers. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's why the Marlins will win. They just seem to get it done when it matters in the playoffs. Cheap shot. Uh, Eric. Or sorry, trading. Why? Why are the Cubs winning the series? <laughs> yeah, um, Cubs had a better season statistically with a thirty-four to um, and twenty-six record and a plus twenty-five run differential versus the Marlins thirty-one and twenty-nine and minus forty-one run differential. Pretty sure you have to like stop runs and like if you want to win um, these these types of games. Cubs the NL from beginning to end fell below hundred. Um, and the Cubs have a reliable starter rotation in you, Darvish and Kyle Hendricks, I think. And I think that this best of three format is going to kind of play into that. If there happens to be a game three, they do have John Lester, who has three, um, three championship rings, has a 2.51 ERA in 154 career playoff innings. And that would take the ball. So I, you know, in that, that third game. So I think that I have some confidence that they'd be able to, to, to finish it up then if they didn't finish it up in two. If they win, they'll they'll be three for three in making the playoffs and winning true. the World Series. That is true. That, that might be that might be enough. Call them like the goat organization of baseball. That would be pretty insane. I think what this team doesn't have that those other two Marlins World Series championship team was an actual offense. I think that this team's offense is one of the worst in baseball. Um, I don't think they really have a chance against this Cubs pitching staff. Um, if they are going to win, it's going to be behind their great young starting pitching. Uh, Sixo Sanchez, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara. These guys are really good, and they've got a bright future ahead of them. If they can shut down this Cubs offense, who has, honestly hasn't been that great either, I think this is going to be a pretty low-scoring series overall. Um, they might have a shot in a, in a short series. You never know. Um, so for the Cubs, their their stars – Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez. These guys have been super average. They need to step up and, and, and play like stars. Um, you Darvish, Kyle Hendricks. Um, I think these guys are going to tear through this, this Marlins lineup and the Cubs will win this series. All right, moving on to the final series in the National League. We got the number five seed, St. Louis Cardinals, taking on the Slam Diego Padres, the four seed. All right, Traden, I know you liked – covering this team all year, so that's why I gave them to you. Why are the Padres winning their first postseason series in 14 years? Yes, they are the most exciting team in, in the MLB with my boy, Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, bad boy ace caliber starters, uh, bad boy Mike Clevenger, and uh, Dino, is it Dinelson Lamette? The Nelson Lamette. Okay, excuse me. Um, they've had an electrifying offense. They have a deep bullpen. They've been playing lights out, and I think that they're ready for this best of three. We're going to see grand slams with side of hand, sides of ham, bat flips, steals, whiny bitches complaining that they're breaking all the rules. Fucking let her rip, Padres. Let's go. Love it. James, why are the Redbirds winning this one? Is it – question fast. Uh, is Clevenger hurt? Because he exited the Angels game in the first inning. He'll be back. He'll be back. He is, uh, he's questionable <laughs> to, to start for the Padres. So he'll we'll be see. back. No big deal. Okay. Okay. Uh, as far as the take it off. Do you guys remember at the beginning of the year they missed a ton of games because of all this COVID shit? Well, as a result of that, they had to play 11 doubleheaders this season. That's a ton of doubleheaders, a lot of innings, a lot of time spent through the ballpark. They're probably tired. And that's the reason why their power went down and home runs went down. But now they get some rest, no more doubleheaders. They get the same rest as everybody else. And so I think that's what the power is going to come back for all the hitters there. So Paul Goldschmidt, Matt Carpenter, yeah, your Molina, they're going to start hitting bombs again. That's going to help out this semi-decent pitching staff to beat the Padres. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Cardinals go, they're starting pitching their bullpen or strengths. Um, Jack Flaherty, 
ace. I think he's got a really good shot here to give the Cardinals a game. Um, their offense, as you mentioned, is the weakness. They ranked uh, last in home runs in baseball, 27th in slugging. Um, in the postseason, usually teams that don't hit a lot of home runs don't tend to win a lot. Um, but we'll see. The, uh, the Padres, as far as their pitching staff, they are battling injuries. Uh, Lamette came out of his start, and Clevenger came out of his last start as well. So they're both kind of coming back from injuries. So we'll see how effective they can be. But those two guys need to step up and be good. Their bullpen is solid, so their bullpen is, is, will be fine. Uh, Eric Hosmer and Fernando Tatis Jr. have gone through a little bit of a slump here towards the end of the season, so we'll see if they can bounce back. But, you know, Manny Machado also in that lineup. I think this Padres team has been playing too well all season long. I think the Padres will take this series from the Cardinals. And that will wrap up our first-round predictions of the MLB playoffs for the wildcard round. I'm super pumped. We got four games kicking off on Tuesday in the American League, and then on Wednesday, a full slate of games, eight series all going on at the same time, um, all day long. American League National League MLB postseason is here. I'm excited. Let's fucking go. Exactly. Everybody go do the Baby Challenge as you watch these games. That's crazy. We were thinking that together. That's insane. We're just alcoholics and like hot dogs, apparently. (laughs) <laughs> Tyler, it sounds to me like we're we're gonna feel kind of like the the NHL was early on, where there's games from from morning to night. I'm 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 gonna love it, um, and I know you are too. Um, thank you for uh, thank you for setting up those uh, those series. Um, but we're gonna take a break. When we come back, James, you're gonna give us some waiver wire picks, and I and I kind of want to get some banter in about the about our uh, um, about our fantasy. I, I love uh, I love. Oh, shit. I got an update for you guys. Three and zero. Three and fucking right. no. We'll be back. Welcome back. Week three is in the books for the NFL. And James is back with his waiver wire. What do you got? Well, first off, I just want to start off with an update for a fantasy football league here. It was a big week for us. A lot of big games, big matchups. I finally got my first win of the year. I barely beat Tyler today, bringing me to one and two. <laughs> and Tyler's two and one. He's no longer undefeated. Damn. Eric handedly beat Kegs by 55 points. And Eric is not three and oh. He, he sucked last year, but now he's one of the best teams in the league. Last and, then Eric, uh, and then Trayton over here. Beat Alex, bringing trade in to one and two, and Alex to zero oh and three, making Alex <laughs> the only winless team in the league. AKA, you probably have to do the beer mouse win, man. Oh, and boys, yeah. boys, that's right. I forgot. I about thought that. I was gonna get destroyed, and then all I needed was two points from Patrick Mahomes, who, oh by the way, got forty today. Not a big deal, but I ended up second this week. So I, and I had a shitty team. Like I brought, a lot of my players had a shitty week. For the most part, at least early on, and I was really worried. Now I'm ready to ball. <laughs> and now Trey's gonna go one of the rest of the year. You heard yeah. here first. Beer mile. Beer Getting mile. into our waivers. Beer mile. Going to the waivers here. We're gonna start with quarterback, and my quarterback pick for the week is Jared Goff from the Rams. He's owned for, by 37.4 percent of people. In week three, he had 27.24 points against Buffalo, which is albeit a really really good defense, guys. He went 23 for 32 for 321 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and also had two carries for four yards and a touchdown. Right now, he's currently ranked as number ninth overall QB in terms of fantasy points. And the crazy thing is he's trending upwards. Every single week so far, it's only been three weeks, but every single week he's had more fantasy points. In week one, he had 10. In week two, he had 23. And in week, 20, or in week three, he had 27. Week 27. Uh, <laughs> The Rams' offense right now looks really good. I mentioned this before, but it looked like the offense from two years ago. And in that offense in that year, Jared Goff finished his QB number seven. His O-line is much better this year than last year, and which gives him more time to do the defense and make accurate throws and actually be a quarterback. Next up, he plays the Giants and the football team. The Giants have a pretty terrible pass defense. They were just beat up by Nick Mullins, who is our, the Niners' backup quarterback. And he had 343 yards against the Giants. So Jared Goff is going to murder them. 
I'm going to go around the room here and ask everybody what they think about Jared Goff. Tyler, start with you. Yeah, Jared Goff um, off to a really, really good start. As you mentioned, looked like the Jared Goff we saw two years ago that led that Rams team to the Super Bowl. Um, like I said, he's got a lot of help. I think this Rams offense overall as a whole is a lot better, better offensive line, better run game. Um, so that's helping him a lot. Um, but yeah, if, if I were a fantasy owner and I'm a little thinned out, I don't know if he's a quarterback one on a fantasy team quite yet, but I think he's definitely, he's literally quarterback number nine. So yes, he is. All right. So like in, you know, you got, you got a 10 person <laughs> league and your quarterback's not doing so well. Yeah, there you go. He's in nine. Um, so yeah, but anyway, I think golf is a solid pickup. He's like, he's mentioned only owned in about 37% of leagues. Um, if you got injuries or your quarterback sucks, look at Jared Goff. Trading. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty great to see Jared Goff starting to play well again. Uh, I was kind of worried. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I was, I was one of the only ones that thought they, they would win week one, and they, they did. Um, I think that, I think that um, Jared Goff's starting to, to feel it again. Coming, he's starting to come back. Um, Sean McVay and him are starting to connect. It seems like they might be starting to connect again. Sean McVay is super, super um, creative, super great coach, and I think it bodes well for uh, for Jared Goff if he's feeling confident. He's going to start slinging the ball again, which is clear. I mean, he's number nine now. Um, me personally, I don't need him. Uh, I got my boy Patty, but uh, if you don't have Patty, pick him up. Eric, Jared G. James, you told me to drop him two weeks ago. Yeah, but who'd you I pick did. up? Sir? This dude named Robinson who got me 37 points, so it's okay. <laughs> but uh, still, um, I'm proud of him. He did have a pretty bad season last year, and we've covered it. He had a bad O-line, but he didn't do well this year. Five touchdowns, only two picks, 27 points last week. That could easily win you uh, a week of games in fantasy. And then the week before, 23 points. Uh, it seems like he is trending upward, and I would pick him up, except I have Dak Prescott, who actually didn't nah, – he did all right this week, but 3-0, and I'm just going to stick with the guns. But maybe I'll, maybe I'll drop Daniel Jones, pick up Jared G, because uh, Daniel Jones hasn't done too well yet. That'd be a good <laughs> A couple of other notable QBs uh, to pick up for your waiver wire is Nick Foles from Chicago. He's owned in 0.9% of leagues. He put up 17 points and a half this weekend. He's not a starting quarterback because, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is trash. <coughs> Eric. Um, and then also Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's better Ryan. than um, – I do want to give a call out. Oh, go ahead, Eric. What you, He's what? better than Cousins. He's 3-0. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's actually kind of true. Cousins is 0-3. That's true. I do want to say – I mean, record doesn't mean everything. Mm-hmm. Our uh, our big fan Matt Rivera has been giving me shit that Mitch Trubisky is actually better than I said he was. Nah, <laughs> he's never gonna play again. <laughs> and then Ryan Fitzpatrick from Miami, he's owning five point six percent of leagues. Put up twenty five point two points. He shredded defenses, the Jacksonville Jaguars last on Thursday, and he, he was very efficient with the two. And it looks like he's gonna be the quarterback for this year. Um, so it's all we want to play. Fitzpatrick is doing well. Moving on to running back, we got Miles Gaskin from Miami. Shout out to Tyler, who threw this out last week, and I didn't yep. believe him. I was like, yeah, no, he's not going to do that well. I was wrong. I'll be the first person to admit it. Well done, Ty. Tyler keeps flexing Except on I, us all night. <laughs> yeah, dude, you have no muscles, though, so that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> he's owned in 45.8% of leagues. In week three, he had 14.5 points. Against the Jaguars, he had 22 carries for 66 yards for an average of three yards per carry. He also added five receptions on five targets for 29 yards. The crazy thing is about this is that they're a three-headed backfield, but Matt Breed and Jordan Howard had three carries each compared to Miles Gaskin's 22. Uh, snap count-wise, it's kind of incredible here, but Miles Gaskin was out there for 75% of snaps, Matt Breed was out there for 18%, and Jordan Howard for seven. Right now, he's tied for first with the most targets through week three. And that's on a team that has Devil Parker as a wide receiver. The concern here is that he doesn't get goal line touches because those all go to Jordan Howard. No matter where they are, if they're within the five, Jordan Howard gets the ball. It doesn't matter. But the thing is, the amount of targets he gets and the amount of carries he gets kind of offset that. Right now, he's currently the 21st running back in fantasy. 
um, up next, he faces Seattle. They're no longer an elite defense, guys. They give up a lot of yards and a lot of points, and that's why Russ is cooking right now. He has to make up for the, his defense by scoring a lot of points. And a big blow to that Seattle defense is that they just lost Jamal Adams. If you guys saw midway through the game, he left because of a groin or quad injury. It doesn't look like he's going to be back anytime soon. So, Tyler, like I said before, props to you for having me as your waiver I pick last week. Um, secondly, though, does he make your lineup this week against Seattle? And do you think he'll finish in the top 15? Yeah. Um, thank you, Miles Gaskin, for backing me up this week and uh, getting everyone else's attention. Um, if I would have started him this week, I would have beat you, James. You'd be 0-3 right now. So I didn't even start him, even though I picked him up. So that was kind of my own fault. But moving forward, I'm definitely going <laughs> to try and start this guy. Against Seattle, that's an interesting one. Um, honestly, with how thinned my running back is, or my running backs are right now, I probably will start Miles Gaskin. I think he's got a lot of good momentum with him. And as you mentioned, uh, that Seattle defense isn't what it once was. Um, I think this guy is kind of running back one for them right now in terms of the carries and the bulk of that offensive production. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to have heavily consider and probably will start Miles Gaskin for week four. Will you end up being a top 15 back? Top 15? I don't think so. I think he will lack the, uh, the amount of touchdowns and scores, as you mentioned, um, to get in that top 15 range. But I think he'll hover right around top 20, right around kind of where he is right now. Okay. A couple of other, other notable running backs is Jeff Wilson Jr. for San Francisco. He's owned in four leagues. Last week, he put up 21.9 points. He's a really good pickup because he's pretty much the only running back that's healthy on that Niners squad that runs the ball a bunch. Tevin Coleman is on IR. Raheem Mostert's injured. He's week to week. And Jake McKinnon just got injured here his ribs last game. And they're playing against a terrible team. Tyler, do you know what team that is? It's the Eagles. They suck. Uh, uh. They're going to go worse than 4-12. and 12. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna be started then, on the Eagles. <laughs> secondly, we got Brian Hill from Atlanta. He's only 1.7 percent of leagues. Put up 15 points last week. Right now, the Falcons aren't looking too good either, and they're pretty much just working through all the running backs. As the season goes on, Todd Gurley's gonna get more tired, and his knees gonna act up, giving Brian Hill more and more touches. So I think he'd be a good pickup and stash for the rest of the season. Moving on to wide receiver, we have Justin Jefferson from Minnesota. He's owned in 33.5% of leagues. Uh, week three, he put up 30.5 points, which is second among all receivers. By the way, he did really well. Against the Titans, who were, he's a good defense. He had seven receptions on nine targets for 175 yards and a touchdown. Honestly, I was just kind of waiting for this breakout, breakout game to happen. He's a really good wide receiver and was drafted and placed upon digs long-term. Um, he won't have this amount of points again, but he'll put up respectable numbers in a Kirk Cousins offense. He now has Kirk Cousins trust, which is a good thing. And this offense really isn't as bad as the first two weeks have shown us. They're a good team and they're going to break out of this funk eventually. And Justin Jefferson will get more points. Uh, after this game, he has 15 targets on the season, which only trailed Adam Thielen, who has 21. Up next, he has Houston and Seattle. They both have pretty terrible pass defenses, so I think it's a buy here. Um, Trayden, you drafted Justin Jefferson, then promptly dropped him the day after. Do you have any regret in dropping him? And after another disappointing week from T.Y. Hilton, who had disappointed you much more to the point that you want to drop him, think about Justin Jefferson. Oh, I already have. Um, he's on. Oh, okay. Tomorrow, tomorrow will hopefully – well, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I, I claimed him, but we'll see if I, if I am in the right ranking. We'll see if anyone beat me out. But – this guy, breakout game, 35, like I said, 30 and a half fantasy points, recording seven uh, receptions on nine targets for 175 yards and a TD against the Tennessee Titans. Um, recorded a 71-yard um, touchdown halfway through the third off a nice play action. Um, and he led Minnesota with nine targets. That's four, that's four more than Adam Thielen um, and took two other big receptions for 33 and 31 yards. That's very respectable. It's very solid. My question was, is this just kind of a one-off on a random Sunday or is there something to this or is there some a sign of things to come? And, and I, and I, from what I read, uh, Mike Zimmer actually wanted to see Justin Jefferson get a little bit more look, um, you know, in, in Sunday's game and, and him taking advantage of that has, you know, all you did, all you need to be is invited to the dance and you can just go. 
Adam Thielen is going to be your prom king. He's going to be he's going to be guarded. He's going to be looked at. <laughs> no problem there. Um, but this gives this fr- that freshman stud, you know, that little guy right there coming in, coming in, um, a chance to shine. Another thing is the Vikings D is not the Vikings D of of, of old. Um, and I, I think that are the de- are the days that the Vikings can can let their defense win games and have and have uh, you know Kirk Cousins kind of throw the ball for you know so many yards and mostly run the ball just to make them win games you know twenty to seventeen or whatever the hell he has to throw it now because his defense is not helping him out so that 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 bodes well for uh, that bodes well for 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 my boy Justin Jefferson um, all add it all together he's he's the number one in the wave wire overall I would say I might even put him along the best wide receiver two in all in all of football wow I mean considering the fact that he's like number 75 overall yep it's kind of crazy um, a couple of other notable wide receivers here is Alan Lazard from Green Bay, owned in 39% of the leagues. He put up 26.4 points last night against New Orleans. And then T. Higgins from Cincinnati, owned in 7% of the leagues, put up 21 points. It He's becoming Joe Burrow's favorite target. Like, Joe Burrow looks his way every single time. So if you're in a PPR league, give T. Higgins a look. He'll just give you some at least 10 points a game. I guarantee you. Uh, moving on to tight end, we have Jimmy Graham, a.k.a. Jimmy Grandpa, from Chicago. He's owned in 13.3% of leagues. In week three, he had 24 points. Against the Falcons, he had six receptions on nine targets for 60 yards and two touchdowns. He's currently the eighth highest scoring tight end in the league. Um, even for his old age, he's still a really big body that can contest or catch contested throws. Um, a big reason to add him now is that the bad team. They're going to face a lot of negative game scripts, which means, you know, a lot more passing and a lot more chance for receptions for him. And Nick Foles is now the QB for this terrible team. Nick Foles loves throwing to the tight end. He targeted Jimmy seven times after half. On the season, he's targeted second and most on the team after Allen Robinson, and that's respectable because Allen Robinson is a damn good wide receiver. Up next, he faces the Colts in Tampa Bay which, like I said before, will lend itself to a lot of negative game scripts where they'll be following, so a.k.a. more throwing. Eric, your top tight end right now is Evan Ingram, who hasn't really performed up to, to par so far this season. What do you think of adding Jimmy Graham at all? Would you add him or not? Dude, I actually, just from what you just said, I might actually add him, but I already claimed, I already threw in waivers for Ebron on the Steelers, but... uh I don't think an episode goes by without me holding a grudge on a fantasy football player. And if there's one guy I'm going to hold a grudge against, OG Jimmy G, and I'm talking Jimmy Graham, uh, because I had him our first time ever doing – my first time doing fantasy football with you guys. Horrendous year for him. He was on the Packers that year. He dropped like four fucking touchdown passes in one game. I remember it. I was freaking out. It was like a Thursday night football game. Uh but like you said, he had uh, Trubisky as his quarterback, who's not as bad as we think, right? Trade him. He's pretty and, uh, He's pretty bad. Uh, Nick Foles <laughs> is better, <laughs> and he's going to get some passes to him. And a bit exactly what you just said, they're going to be battling games. Uh, they are going to throw it to him more. Let's just hope he catches it in the end zone this year because he didn't for me that one year. But shit, I might have to pick him up if I don't get Ebron. Uh, none of you go on your uh, waiver wires right now and claim them because I might want to claim them tonight. So, we'll see. A couple of other notable tight ends. Eric mentioned one that I had on the list, and that's Eric Ebron. He's owned in 24.4% of leagues, and he had 16.2 points. My main concern there is that Pittsburgh has a lot of mouths to feed. They got Juju. They got James Conner. They even have Deontay Johnson who's breaking out. So it's going to be kind of hard for him, Eric Ebron to get the ball, but he's athletic enough to do so. Also, Robert Tanyan from Green Bay. I had no idea who this guy was up until last night's game. But he's owned in 0.2% of leagues, uh, put up 16 points. He saw eight targets the last two games. He's becoming one of Rogers' favorite guys to throw to. So definitely give him a look. Uh, lastly here for my segment, we're going to go around the room. and The guys are going to tell us who their favorite waiver wire pick for the week is. Eric, let's start with you. Uh, does it have to be a guy we're talking about right now? or that we no, just It can about? be anybody you want. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show love to my boy Jared G. Jared Goff. Uh, he seems to be on the trend of uprising. Jared Goff. 
trade? Yeah, I mean, I went with Justin Jefferson after my huge uh, talk about him, but I, I want to give you something, James, to kind of sink your teeth into. I'm going to pick Adam the Lizard Lazard. Six receptions on eight targets for 146 um, yards and uh, a touchdown on Sunday Night Football. He took over for Devontae Adams and came through big time. He's, he's pretty much secured his number two spot. I think he's gained some trust from, uh, from Aaron Rodgers. Um, and Adams' health for, up for next week is kind of still up in the air, which, is, which bodes well. Um, and Aaron Dodgers slash Rodgers is looking fantastic this season. I don't know if it's just me, but he's looking great. Um, and best of all, the Packers face the sieve that is the Falcons secondary. I would consider this guy even if Adams draws in. That's how that's how much I like him for next week. So if you have wide receiver issues like me, he's a must pick up. Really great analysis there. And Tyler. All right. I got this guy uh, tied in for the Dallas Cowboys, Dalton Schultz. Uh, he's currently the 14th ranked tight end. Um, if all those tight ends that we mentioned earlier get picked up and you need a, a backup tight end or whatever the case is, um, this guy's not a bad option to look at. He uh, got 20 points in week two, followed up with a 10-point performance in week three. Uh, currently in the season, 14 receptions, 147 yards, and one touchdown. Um, not the biggest offensive threat for that Dallas Cowboys team, um, but someone to keep an eye on, I think, early on in the season. All right. Thank you, Tyler. And that's it for my segment. Thanks for listening. All right. Thank you, James, for that. Um, it's always fun to, to talk, uh, talk football after a great week. Um, but that, I think that about does it for our, uh, for our episode this week. Um, come next week, we'll hopefully have all the boys back. Um, we'll be talking NBA. We'll be talking MLB, football like normal. Um, and hopefully Eric will bring some other crazy shit like he always does. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, please like us on, on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts. We also put out a lot of YouTube videos, so please like us there, comment on us. We'll, we'll, we'll be glad to, to shoot the shit with you there. Um, and, you know, we, we just love the love. Uh, we, we hope we, uh, you enjoy our, our content here, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be excited for another week next week. Thank you. Love the love.